Uh, well, bienvenue, Monsieur le Ministre, Toronto. Welcome home to Toronto. You know, friends, we all know that Minister Flaherty as the Minister of Finance and the member for Whitby-Oshawa. But he's also, of course, the Minister for the GTA. And I, so I think as Torontonians, we're entitled to claim him as one of our own. It's a terribly old shop-worn cliché to say that Jim Flaherty is a man who needs no introduction. His contribution to public life is as impressive as it is well-documented. He has balanced budgets and paid down debt at both Queen's Park and Ottawa in good times, and he's made tough disciplined choices to spend in bad ones. He is the Dean of the G7 Finance Ministers, Euromoney's Finance Minister of the Year, Infrastructure Investor Finance Minister of the Year. His experience and acumen valued by government leaders, fellow finance ministers and central bankers literally right around the entire world. To borrow from an old Wall Street advertising line, when Jim Flaherty speaks, and now, by extension, when Canada speaks, the world markets listen. Tout le monde connaît qu'à cours des dernières trois années, les mondes racontent les temps financiers difficiles. Premièrement, avec la situation dans les États-Unis, et maintenant dans l'Europe et le Moyen-Orient. Pendant tout, vous avez fourni la direction exemplaire. But there's also a Jim Flaherty that is not as well known. The genuinely and truly compassionate conservative whose time in public life has been dedicated to reaching out and making life better, meaningfully better, for the most vulnerable among us. He is the father of the Working Income Tax Benefit, the acronym for which is helpfully pronounced Whitby, which helps Canadians over the so-called welfare wall. He conceived and then introduced the RDSP, a landmark reform for parents of children with disabilities. He eliminated the capital gains tax for charitable gifts of publicly listed securities, and in that process unlocked hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of philanthropic donations. Avec son épouse Christine Elliott, le député pour Whitby-Oshawa, il est la force agissante derrière le Whitby Ability Centre, un endroit très spécial. And contrary to the belief of many, he isn't the shortest Harper cabinet minister. <laughs> Gary Lund still holds that record. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's an understatement to say that the world is a topsy-turvy place these days. Who would have thought bond rates would have done Berlusconi in? I've been betting on Bunga Bunga myself. <laughs> but in a world where many parts have stagnant growth, high unemployment, social and political unrest, and economic chaos, we're well served by Jim Flaherty's leadership. And today, we look forward to your assessment of Canada's financial position and the future as you see it. Monsieur le Ministre, vous avez la parole. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming to the Canadian Complodium a man I'm very proud to call a good friend, Jim Flaherty.
Okay. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thank you. I, uh, Jamie's quite right, of course, that I'm not, uh, I didn't used to be the shortest cabinet minister in, in Ottawa, but Gary Lund let me down in the last election and lost. <laughs> so, uh, lost to Elizabeth May. Oh my. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I have that distinction now. And I'll try today, uh, I'm always short, but I'll also try to be brief in what my remarks today to, to all of you. I do thank Jamie for the kind uh, introduction. Every time I hear a, a very kind introduction like that, I wish my mother and father could be here to, to hear it. I know my, uh, my mother would love it and my father wouldn't believe it, um, as some of my teachers wouldn't believe it over, um, over these years. Je vous remercie, je suis très heureux the Canadian Club of Toronto, where I've spoken a number of times before, has a long and proud tradition, um, and uh, it is the premium forum for discussing the key issues facing the country. I'm pleased to be here with some of my caucus colleagues. I saw Michael Chong here, and I think uh, there are some other caucus colleagues who are here, and I think there's Terence Youngest right there. I'm sure I'm missing some others, so I won't name any more, but I thank you for, for being here today um, at the Royal York. Having had the privilege of speaking here in the past, I understand and appreciate that this is an outstanding national platform, and I thank you for the invitation to address you today at what is a, um, a rather difficult time um, globally. Um, we are um, in Canada, entering our pre-budget consultation period. Next week, we will formally begin um, that process. C'est le début de la période de préparation du budget. En effet, je vais commencer mes consultations pré-budgétaires officielles la semaine prochaine. Uh, for context, it's useful to take a moment uh, to consider where we've come from. Three years ago, um, the world economy was in dire straits. It was a critical time. I remember being at the G7 finance minister central bank governors meeting in the cash room of the treasury on Friday, October 10th, 2008, at a time of um, quite serious um, crisis. Hank Paulson was the Secretary of the Treasury at the time, Ben Bernanke was there, and Hank started the meeting, it was the G7 group, started the meeting with, with, with saying, um, uh, we are in a very uh, serious uh, situation. And at that meeting, we actually did something important. We tore up the communique that had been prepared in advance, you know, those communiques that are Officials prepare for us so that the elected people don't interfere with decision-making and um, We got we got rid of, we got rid of that and uh, and uh, it Created a five-point plan really at a, quite a critical time as, as some of you many of you will recall that was the time Lehman Brothers had failed the month before Bear Stearns um, Before that some of the uh, German regional banks had failed there had been bank failures in the, uh, in the United Kingdom. It wasn't clear that the equity markets were even going to open on the following Monday. I say all of this as an example that these international bodies can actually, these international fora can actually accomplish something um, when, when it's essential to do so. Um, we are continuing our discussions now in the G, G7 and in the broader G20 about the European um, situation. But back on that weekend in October 2008, the G7 did pull together, did create the five-point plan, did uh, meet with President Bush the following morning, had him go out publicly in the Rose Garden and support it, had meetings of the IMF, 
finance ministers and of the G20 later in the day on the Saturday, and it did restore a, a degree of, of uh, direction and confidence in the, uh, in the economy. Um, that was the uh, effective work of the G7 and the G20 back in, in 2008. In November 2008, there was the first um, G20 Leaders Summit with the finance ministers in, in Washington. Uh, president Bush was still president. He chaired, he chaired the meeting, and that was the meeting at which the, the global community, through the G20, which is about 80% of the world's GDP, um, made the decision that we would go ahead and, and, uh, and create stimulus in our economies. 4% of GDP was what was agreed to. And uh, we went ahead in Canada and created the Economic Action Plan. And with the cooperation of the provinces, which was vital and which worked, and I thank all of the provinces for that, uh, we were able to, uh, to pump that 4% into the Canadian economy across the country um, during the ensuing couple of years. So Canada has, um, has done relatively well on jobs um, in terms of, of context. We have recovered all of the output and all of the jobs that we lost during the last recession, 2008-2009. There are about 600,000 more Canadians working today than when the recession ended, one of the strongest records among the advanced economies. Close to nine in 10 of these jobs um, have been created since July, that have been created since July 2009, have been full-time jobs in high-tech industries with three quarters in the private sector. So we have a good job creation record uh, in the Canadian context. Our unemployment rate, when measured on the same basis with the United States, is about 2.5 uh, percentage points lower than the United States. That has not been true uh, for a, a generation. So that part of the, of the equation has been a, a good story for Canada. Uh, this didn't just happen by, uh, by accident. When we were first became the government in early 2006, it was apparent that the American economy was going to get into some um, difficulty at some point, um, given the fiscal situation um, there. So we prepared for the crisis of 2008-2009. We lowered taxes. In every way, we collected taxes, business taxes, consumption taxes, reducing the GST by two percentage points, income taxes, and we were quite aggressive, which gets less attention, but quite aggressive in reducing tariffs, and we've continued to do that. Um, we continued to pay down debt, despite calls at the time, it seems like a long time ago, opposition calls in a minority parliament um, to increase spending. We also reduced ta uh, red tape and we continued to promote free trade, not only through the tariff changes, but also through the free trade agreements. Uh, Prime Minister Harper's government has signed free trade agreements with nine country, countries, and we are in negotiations with an additional 50 countries now, including uh, India and the European Union. So Canada weathered the, um, the economic storm relatively well, and the world has noticed some nice things are said about Canada around the world, the World Economic Forum for the fourth year in a row, rates our banking system as the world's soundest. Five Canadian financial institutions were named to Bloomberg's list of the world's strongest banks more than any other country. Both the IMF and the OECD forecast we will have the among, among the strongest economic growth in the G7 in the years ahead. Forbes magazine ranked Canada number one in its annual outlook at the best countries in the world to do business. And recently, the uh, three credit agencies, Moody's, Fitch, and Standard & Poor's, affirmed their top ratings for Canada. 
So that's all very good, but of course we are not immune to challenges that emanate from beyond our borders. Again today, we are staring a crisis in the face. Over the last few weeks, I've attended G20 meetings in Cannes and the APEC sessions in Honolulu, and I met with Canada's major trading partners in Europe and Asia. During this period, we've discussed lots of issues, uh, but they all center on the effects of the current volatility and uncertainty in the global economy, and more importantly, how to overcome it. The most immediate issue, of course, is Europe, where concrete actions are still clearly needed to deal with the sovereign debt and banking sector crises. This dire and pressing problem threatens not only Europe itself, but all other countries. And it threatens the strong, sustainable, and balanced growth that G20 countries have made their priority since the global downturn first began. Ce problème urgent et très grave ne menace pas seulement l'Europe, mais également tous les autres pays. Il menace aussi l'objectif prioritaire d'une croissance forte, durable et équilibrée que, que le, le G20 s'est fixé au début du ralentissement économique mondial. Ongoing uncertainty stemming from the European sovereign and banking crisis is leading to broader contagion outside Europe and in global credit markets. If European authorities move aggressively and with decisiveness to address the crisis and restore financial market stability and confidence, the situation can be stabilized. To date, such action has yet to be taken by the Eurozone countries and the crisis remains far from resolved. That is why our government, in collaboration with our G20 partners, continues to encourage Europe to take the necessary steps to finally put the crisis behind them and to do so in double time. At the recent G20 summit in Cannes, G20 leaders had many frank and in-depth discussions about the fragile outlook for the global economy. And to be fair, Europe is not the only problem and the steps that must be taken to address it. One key measure highlighted in the G20 communique at Cannes is the, what is now being called the Cannes Action Plan for Jobs and Growth. This is work done mainly by Canada in the G20 at the request of the, the leaders at the summit in Pittsburgh in early 2009, that it was to develop an action plan that could be adopted by the, by the leaders uh, subsequently with respect to a, a medium-term plan for, for growth. It is a, a wide-ranging blueprint to address short-term vulnerabilities while strengthening the foundations for growth over the long term. India co-chaired that with Canada. We developed the plan and it was accepted at Cannes. It stresses that all countries must implement credible plans for debt and deficit reduction. That's number one. Number two, that all countries address the issue of global imbalances and the, the uh, Con Action Plan has, uh, has a, a commitment uh, with respect to flexible currencies that is farther than we have ever uh, gotten before on that subject, and thirdly, to restore market confidence. The sovereign debt problems in Europe are mirrored in the fiscal challenges faced by some other advanced economies. For many of them, the scale of the problem is unprecedented in peacetime, and these aren't abstract economic discussions. 
For the people in the countries affected, the continued crisis and the lack of political will to resolve it can have dire consequences. In those countries, it will mean dramatically reduced services and dramatically increased taxes. It will mean continued unsustainable debt burdens that will be passed on to their children and grandchildren. It will mean, as we have already seen, social unrest and instability in those societies. Now, households don't operate like this, and, and neither should countries. When your credit card is maxed out, you don't go out and get another one and continue to accumulate interest at 18%. Instead, you figure out a way to restrain your spending and you increase your payments to reduce your debt. And you make difficult choices to put your family's finances on a structurally stronger footing by reevaluating how much you spend and where. Otherwise, you lose control of your destiny either to a credit counselor who will unilaterally impose harsh remedial measures, or worse yet, to bankruptcy court. Canadians know this. It's how they run their household budgets, and it's how they expect their governments to run their budgets. It's how we run ours. In good times, in times of surplus, we paid down our debt. As a result, in bad times, in times of crisis, we had the room to respond as we needed to. Because we paid down substantial amounts of debt before the crisis of 2008-09, we were able to keep our net debt to GDP ratio well below our G7 counterparts, while other nations were piling vast amounts of new debt on old debt. In Canada, and <clears throat> these are figures with respect to net debt to GDP, the IMF has Canada for 2011 this year net debt to GDP ratio of 34.9%. Again, to put that, that's all governments in Canada. Again, to put that in, in context, Germany at 57.2%. The United States at 72.6%. The United Kingdom at 72.9%. France at 81%. Italy at 100%. The G7 average net debt to GDP ratio, according to the IMF for this year, is um, 80%. Now, a few words about um, Canada's situation and strengths. The threats to our economic stability obviously did not originate within our shores, but the economic leadership that gave us the flexibility to weather those threats did. And we intend to continue that leadership. We stand ready, of course, to respond again in a flexible and pragmatic manner if the economic challenges from beyond our shores begin to threaten jobs and our economy here in Canada. But we must always remember that we will only hold on to our advantages by continuing to pursue those strategies that made us so resilient in the first place. Responsibility, discipline, and determination. Mais il ne faut jamais oublier que pour conserver nos avantages, nous devons poursuivre les mêmes stratégies qui sont à la base de la résilience du Canada soit l'essence de la responsabilité, la discipline et la détermination. We face repeated calls from some corners to uh, betray those principles. If we listen to them, we would watch all that was uh, made possible van uh, vanish. So while we act as necessary, we will always ensure that any government spending is targeted and effective. We will not, and taxpayers will not tolerate 
wasting their money on inefficient, wasteful spending. That's why the, the next phase of Canada's economic action plan includes a clear and necessary goal to return to balanced budgets in the medium term and an achievable strategy that will get us there. Ensuring the money we spend is effective, ensuring we are eliminating wasteful spending is common sense. It's what you do with your businesses, it's what Canadians do with their household budgets, and especially in challenging economic times. Government needs to apply that same responsible fiscal stewardship to what we do. We need to be always reviewing our spending and eliminating waste. We need to keep Canada on a fiscally sustainable track. By sticking to our target of eliminating our deficit in the medium term and finding savings within government operations, we will follow through on our pledge to Canadians while focusing on what truly matters, jobs and economic growth. This is a balanced approach that has served this country well. It protects our economy, protects Canadian jobs, and protects the services we provide to our citizens. It also reigns in spending, so we eliminate the deficit in the medium term, keeping our Canadian economic advantage now and for generations to come. And here I'm talking about all governments in Canada. Since there is only one level of taxpayer, all governments must work together to ensure Canada's fiscal house is in order to make clear plans to return to balanced budgets, those who are not, and to prepare for whatever economic crisis heads our way in the future. Now, lots of talk about balanced budgets. You know, balanced budgets um, are not important for their own sake. They are important for what they make possible and what they avoid. Reducing debt frees up tax dollars otherwise absorbed by interest costs. This can then be reinvested in the things that matter most to Canadians, health care, public services, lower taxes. It keeps interest rates low, encouraging businesses to create jobs and invest in the future. It signals that public services are sustainable over the long run. Very importantly, it strengthens the country's ability to respond to economic shocks, such as the recent global financial crisis and other challenges such as an aging population. And it preserves the gains made in Canada's low tax plan, fostering the long-term growth that will continue to generate high-wage jobs for Canadians. Now some of you may be asking, given the uncertainty in the global economic outlook, should the government delay its plans to achieve balanced budgets? The answer is, is simple. In uncertain times, the most important contribution the government can make to bolster confidence and growth in our country is to maintain a sound fiscal position. What's more, I firmly believe government should always be looking to eliminate wasteful, ineffective spending. After all, it's all taxpayers' money, it's not government money, it's money we tax and take away from families and workers and businesses. If we are endlessly funding programs or initiatives that do nothing for the economy, if we are spending on redundant or extremely poorly performing programs, we owe it to Canadian taxpayers to ask why and stop wasting their money. So as we prepare for Budget 2012, I will say again that it is not the time for dangerous and risky new spending schemes that will increase deficits 
and raise taxes. En cette période de préparation du budget de 2012, je répète que ce n'est pas le temps de mettre de l'avant des projets des dépenses dangereux ou risqués qui vont contribuer à l'augmentation des déficits et des impôts. So as we do every year, we will hear from various groups, including the opposition, um, calling for more spending, new programs, bigger government. But I want to be clear, although we are prepared to be flexible and pragmatic should circumstances warrant, our plan is to stick to our plan. We know that Canadian families are worried about their jobs, their families, and their financial security. That is why our top priority will be to continue creating jobs and growth. From that starting point, I'm pleased to announce that national consultations for Budget 2012 will begin early next month, that is at the end of next week. In the coming weeks, we will once again consult widely with Canadians on shaping Canada's economic future. We want to learn the views of Canadians on economic priorities and how best they can be realized. We want to hear their ideas on how we can generate jobs and growth while keeping taxes low and returning to balanced budgets in the medium term. And I'm reaching out to Canadians across the country to help make that happen. This process will continue into the new year at several sites around the country and on the internet at the Department of Finance website which is www.fin.gc.ca. I also look forward to working with my provincial counterparts. We are going to meet, the finance ministers are going to meet um, just before Christmas, about a week before Christmas um, in uh, British Columbia. I look forward to working with my provincial counterparts. It's vitally important we do this because we need the, the provinces to exercise the same, the same prudent path as we uh, are exercising in order to, uh, to maintain the uh, solid position of the Canadian economy in the world and to strive together to usher in a, a post-recovery area of, um, of fiscal discipline and fiscal responsibility. So we need to anticipate that there'll be further economic challenges down the road. There certainly are in Europe right now. Uh, but the global economic angst will not sidetrack us from our ultimate goal of balanced budgets. Canada is better positioned than any other G7 country, and the resilience we demonstrated in our recent past will only boost our efforts to achieve a sustainable and prosperous recovery. We will continue with our balanced approach, which focuses on economic growth and jobs, protects our economy, and reigns in spending so that we can eliminate the deficit in the medium term, keeping our Canadian economic advantage now and in the future. Our record of uh, success under stress can serve as a model to others as the federal and provincial and territorial governments work together in a coordinated effort to restore growth and confidence. Canada has been a leader throughout uh, the response to the global economic downturn and we will remain a leader. If we strive for an enduring economic prosperity, not fleeting short-term political gratification. The reward will be a legacy we will be proud of to leave our children and grandchildren. Thank you for the invitation.
It is uh, my honor and privilege to uh, thank the minister. Jim Flaherty may not need any introduction, but I think he certainly does deserve our thanks. Uh, he deserves our thanks for being here today. Uh, we know, Minister, the demands on your time and the requests you have to come and speak are uh, virtually limitless and uh, to come to the Canadian Club. Uh, we're glad you recognize, as you said at the beginning, that it is an important forum and we really appreciate, though, uh, you being here today. So we first thank you for that. Thank you as well, though, uh, for your review of the world economic situation and the uh, scary, if I may put it that way, developments that are going on in Europe. Uh, None of us have tweeted our brokers yet on your remarks, but there were a few people I could see looking for their blackberries. Uh, but thank you as well for outlining the commitment of the government to be flexible, if necessary, but to stay to the course that it has set and that it has been following since you became the minister in 2006, and set on the course and stay on the course that has uh, created the Canadian advantage you were talking about. And I think that's uh, important uh, that we know that and we thank you for that important information. Uh, we thank you too for uh, reminding us that uh, there is only one taxpayer. Uh, many of us in this room believe that we are that only one, but, um, <laughs> but that is important that uh, governments understand that and I hope that you carry that forward when you go to Vancouver uh, to meet with your counterparts next month. Uh, but thank you most of all, uh, in addition for coming here, but for the steady hands that you've uh, had both in our country and internationally since assuming your portfolio for creating the Canadian advantage that all of us uh, enjoy now and hope to continue enjoying in the future. Thank you, Minister, very much. Thank you, Don, and thanks, uh, Minister. Before we adjourn for lunch, I'd ask you to bear with me just uh, while I list a couple of upcoming events. On December the 2nd, Graham Scott, board chair of the Canada Health Infoway, will outline where Canada is heading in its efforts to modernize healthcare systems throughout the country and the major obstacles that may, be, may, that may need to be overcome in order to accomplish that. On December the 9th, Amanda Lang, one of our board members, and Reza Sachu will explore the world of the next 36, Canada's entrepreneurial leadership initiative aimed at transforming this country's most promising students into high-impact leaders. And on the 12th of December, together with our sister club, the Empire Club, we'll be hosting the Governor of the Bank of Canada, Mark Harney, to, like this one, another sold-out room. And finally, on January the 3rd, the Canadian Club will be hosting, in partnership with the National Post, the 35th annual Financial Outlook, uh, financial Outlook event at the country's best political and e economic forecast lunch. To, organize, to order tickets for these or any other Canadian Club event, please visit our website at canadianclub.org. I don't forget also a podcast of today's speech by the Minister will be available in a couple of days on iTunes simply visit the event listing on our website. And while you're online, I invite you to check out our Twitter feed. You can follow us at CDNCLUBTO for all the latest updates. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes our television programming, which will be broadcast on Rogers TV in days to come. We continue to be grateful to Rogers Television and to 680 News for the continuing promotion of Canadian Club events. And now I would ask as you'd please rise as you're able and join me in a toast to Canada.
Ladies and gentlemen, to Canada. Please enjoy your lunch.